A reading from the Gospel of John. Jesus said, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine grower. He removes every branch in me that bears no fruit. Every branch that bears fruit, he prunes to make it bear more fruit. You have already been cleansed by the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me as I abide in you. Just as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who abide in me and I in them bear much fruit, because apart from me you can do nothing. Whoever does not abide in me is thrown away like a branch and withers. Such branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask for whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. My Father is glorified by this, that you bear much fruit and become my disciples. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Will you pray with me? Word and words, O Christ, may you, the true living word, be present in these words, and may we hear the life-giving message that we need from you today. Be our true vine. Amen. As our call to worship is still reminding us each week, it's Easter. Christ is risen, alleluia, and I will probably never get tired of that. It is my favorite season. Most of our Easter scriptures so far have been resurrection accounts, or in the case of last week, a story of how the gospel and the word of God is spreading out beyond what it once was. We've been exploring with the followers of Christ how to make sense of Christ's death and resurrection and now this in-between time. The cycle of the Christian year allows us to enter into the life, the death, and the resurrection of Christ, and then after Pentecost, which is coming soon, into the life of the early church. So instead of us imagining it from our own perspective, we have a chance to enter in to this cycle, to this story, and look at the scripture in that time frame. Today, we don't have a resurrection account. Instead, we're given the opportunity to be with the disciples who are reflecting back, a flashback of sorts, onto what Jesus had told to them, what Jesus had um, talked to them about, about what was coming and what they should do after his death. This part of John is part of the farewell discourses, and today we are faced with the last of seven I am statements. The imagery of John is well known. You'll probably remember, I am, I am the light, I am the good shepherd, I am the bread of life. And today, we have the last I am statement that has a predicate nominative. Now, if you haven't been in English class for a while, or haven't been volunteering on Wednesday nights at Homework Lab, you might not remember that that just means that there is a descriptive noun following the I am statement. 
Today he says, I am the true vine. And we're looking back at this, and as the last of those seven statements, we might think this is probably summing up what Christ has been trying to tell us about who he is and how this relationship with the risen Christ might work. He says, I am the vine and you are the branches. Those who abide in me and I in them bear much fruit, because apart from me you can do nothing. Jesus is calling us with his disciples to abide in him, to be connected to him, to be rooted in him, and as Paul will later say, to live and move and have our being in Christ. Jesus again and again uses agrarian imagery in his parables and in his teaching, and for a society that was lots of farmers or had their livelihood from working in the ground, these were not just allegories, but they were metaphors because they had experienced this in their everyday life in many different ways. Now, I know that we are a quick drive, when there's no traffic, from several vineyards here, but I have to say that I don't know much about growing grapes, or really growing anything in some ways. Um, When we first got here our first spring, we had Shirley Bass over, and she gave us a tour of our own yard because we did not know what most of the plants were that were springing up. It was much greener and much more diverse than anything in Central Texas had been. So I'm a novice when it comes to gardening, but I know that several of you, I've been to your homes and you'll have beautiful yards and love to plant and grow things. And even like John, who um, his career is in landscaping, he can imagine these different images to look at this as a metaphor to explore what does this mean for my life? So I've learned a bit about vines this week. Now the main vine is known as the mother vine because it is where the nutrients and sustenance and life really comes from. So of course, the branches that come right off of the mother vine are strong and healthy, but then the branches that come off of the branches that come off of the branches that come off of the branches are obviously much further away from that vine. So Jesus is inviting us all to be rooted into the mother vine, he himself. But I wonder, how often do we really root ourselves in the declarations of Christ? How often, instead, are we rooting ourselves not into the vine, but into other branches? So I wonder, where is it that we get our identity? How often do we find our identity in the grace and the hope of what God promises that we are all children of God? Or how often are we rooted in an identity that's separate from that? I know that many of us, if someone said, tell me about yourself, we might say, oh, well, I'm married, I'm a dog mom, I I work at a church. But see, that was the third thing I said, and many of us would be quick to say, I'm a father, I'm a lawyer, maybe even what political party you're a part of, or an organization you're a part of, before we might say, I'm a Christian. Others of us might say, I'm a Christian, as one of the first descriptives, but when we look at where we invest our time and our money, a description more like, 
Nats fan or, or athlete or musician might actually match what we're spending our time and our energy on. We've found ourselves growing into branches of identities that we're defining ourselves by or that others are defining us by. How often do we gauge our worth off of our employment status or how much money we're making or even the connections or the way that our children are performing? When I was growing up, my grandparents lived in Colorado City, and I bet Beth Harvey could tell you that's really how they say it out there in West Texas. And even though it was mostly brown and the only green you saw was some irrigated cotton fields, someone way back had decided to plant two big pine trees in their yard. They were very out of place. But when I would go for a week or two weeks in the summer, that was one of my favorite places to go was these pine trees that had these big tall trunks and the branches were perfectly symmetrical and perpendicular and just the right amount of space for me to climb up and then be hidden and encompassed in this tree. I learned very quickly in climbing any tree that to find branches that are going to bear your weight, you need to choose to step on the ones that are close to the trunk. This is something most of us know. (laughs) We intuitively know that the closer you are to the trunk, the closer you are to somewhere that will support your weight, that will steady you, that will hold you. But many of us have experienced branches breaking out from under us. We've clung to branches, and then there's tragedy. There's loss of livelihood, or there's loss of relationships. Our friendships are strained, or even institutions fail us. Our theories, or our plans, or our hopes don't pan out the way we think, and those branches break. Recently, a friend turned me on to the show The Americans. Now, I don't know if it's because we have several spy experts in our congregation or just the fact that um, it takes place in Falls Church, where I live, but I've started watching the show. What it is is there are um, a couple who come over, and they are spies. They have their children um, and are presenting as travel agents in Falls Church. Well, what resonated with me this week is the oldest daughter, Paige has no idea that they are spies, but she senses that something is off. And she starts asking her parents, what is going on? What is happening that's so secretive? Are y'all splitting up? Is something going on with that? And they eventually decide to tell her that they are not American, that they are spies from the Soviet Union. And it is as if that branch of her identity completely snaps off. She is floundering and cannot figure out who she is, who her family is, how she should act around others, what she should do. Now, I know that many of us, or at least in stories we can tell, have not been hiding out in other identities and had that break off. But many of us have had the identity of a certain employment break off from below us. 
had the identity of being parents for a long time and are now empty nesters, and that might feel like a branch breaking out from underneath you. Maybe it was where you lived or being part of a large family, and because of a job or because of um, other circumstances, you've relocated and you're alone, and it feels like that branch of your identity has broken off underneath you. Now, Jesus says, I am the true vine, and my father is the vine grower. He removes every branch that does not bear fruit. Every branch that bears fruit, he prunes to make it bear more fruit. And he says, you have already been cleansed by the word that I have spoken to you. Many of you might be familiar with the vineyard imagery that's found in Isaiah and Ezekiel. But those passages, and even some looking at this passage, see it as judgment against those who are not caring and loving for all of God's people. But the judgment found here this morning... I challenge you, is a restorative idea of judgment. In the context of John, I always have to go back to the prologue. In the beginning was the word. It invites us to go back to that cosmic narrative of the earth and all of creation coming into being, which is also the time of the very first judgment. God said, it was good. Judgment here is this idea of not punishment, but a restoring of this idea of the image of God within all of us. A restoring of your identity as a child of God. And that's where you connect and grow your sturdy branch from. For Jesus says here, I have said these things so that my joy may be in you, that your joy may be complete. Christ's joy is flourishing for all. Christ's joy is a life shaped by the gospel of grace. Christ's joy is a promise to be grafted back into that mother vine, even after we have tried to grow from a branch of a false identity. This invitation is a difficult one. It's a difficult message to hear because we often forget that the gospel, while a message of hope, is also offensive. It's offensive because so often we have already decided what God's doing in the world instead of pausing to listen for what God is speaking to us. It's offensive because we're often okay what God is calling us to as long as it matches up with decisions that we've already made. But Jesus' actions and message critiqued the way things were, critiqued religious leaders and political leaders and everyday people, and it's one that still critiques us today. We must be willing to let our beliefs be shaped and changed and pruned by the gospel. 
if our worldview, the way that we think things should go or our ideas about how we should work in the world don't match up with the teachings of Christ, we often go back and try and look at the scripture and wrestle around and make the interpretation line up with what we were already doing. We look to change the gospel to match this branch of identity that we've put ourselves and attached ourselves to. But Christ is calling us to be pruned by the gospel, not to examine the gospel when it doesn't match up with how we're living our lives, but to examine our lives when it doesn't match up with the gospel. It doesn't matter where you fall on the spectrum of beliefs or ideologies, And McLean Baptist, that was one of the things you told that interim steering team is one of our greatest assets, but one of our greatest challenges, too. It doesn't matter where you fall in that, but Christ is calling every single one of us to examine our lives, our beliefs, our perspectives through the lens of the gospel. We have to give up the certainty that we feel in these identities and instead return to a message of hope. This message that's messy. This message that's a struggle to live into. Recently, I listened to a story on the TED Radio Hour from journalist George Monvoit. He studies the idea of rewilding, which is the process of reintroducing certain species into an ecosystem and seeing what happens. One of the most notable occurrences of this was when wolves were reintroduced into Yellowstone National Park, and the research found that there was a flourishing of biodiversity and even the rivers, the geography of the rivers changed. And while his main point in the talk is different from mine, there was a story he talked about that really connected to this idea of the vine. He reported on the impacts of whales in the ecosystem of the ocean. So I'll say we as the collective conscience um, of the world thinking a while back thought that if you got rid of a top predator, then what was once prey would obviously multiply. That's what we thought. So we thought, okay, there are these big whales and they're eating all this fish and krill and plankton. So if we kill the whales, the fish will increase. We saw a problem of not enough fish to feed people around the world or meet the demand. And so we thought, we have this answer. We'll get rid of the large predator. But in fact, When the whales were killed, there was a direct decline of the krill and the fish in that ecosystem. It turns out that the whales, in their normal bodily functions, put nutrients back into the ocean right at the level that phytoplankton needed to photosynthesize and reproduce and nourish all the steps of the food chain. So when whales were preserved, there actually became more of a flourishing of the fish, more abundance there. Thanks be that the author of creation and the inspiration of our scripture is the same. 
that we can learn from these things and imagine and enter into the metaphors. This idea that the reflection of the triune God, the intermingling of Father and Son and Holy Spirit in deep mutual love, gives forth to a multiplicity of life. Abide, in Greek meno, is often translated remain, but this loses the rootedness that it's a mutuality. It misses that there's an interconnectedness of Jesus' instructions to the disciples today. Remember, just as the branches need the vine, just as we need Christ, the vine needs the branches to produce fruit. Abide is a mutual responsibility of deep relationship, giving up for the gospel so that all of creation, all people, can thrive and flourish. It's a giving up for the gospel and for God's mission in the world. So you know that mother vine is stretched along the trellis so that the branches can remain connected to the central vine. But the branches that grow forth, even the ones right from the vine, are not alone. You know that they are twisted and intermingled and tangled and intertwined together. This week, with, when visiting with some of you, I've been reminded of the strength found in Christian community. Of the times when the support that you provided held others grounded them in times of distress, the times when your love for each other intertwined and you were able to make a greater impact than you ever imagined, when the fruit that you brought forth together gave life to many, when you were truly rooted in the vine and coaxed to grow together. So I pray that we all may have the grace to return to the vine, to let go of our hold onto branches that aren't our true identity, and instead to cling fast to grow from our identity in Christ, our true vine. Amen.